Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Food, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Amir Sayadabdi, the host of the channel. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to uh, Dr. Demet Guzay about uh, her book, Mustard, A Global History, which was published in 2019 by Reaction Books. Demet is a food and wine writer, researcher, and lecturer based in Verona, Italy. She's also the author of Food on Food, A History of Eating on Trails and in the Vault. Demet, thanks for accepting my invitation and welcome to the show. Thank you, Amir. It's great to be here. Uh, to start off, Demet, uh, could you tell us a bit about your background and how you ended up as a food writer and researcher? Well, I, um, I've been always in foods, but starting as a food scientist, I'm not going to start from, you know, how I learned cooking uh, next to my grandma. It's not that kind of a story, <laughs> but I have, uh, I have studied food science, first food engineering, and I even have, a, you know, my PhD in this field. Um, and my interest in the culture of food and cooking and uh, this, this maybe more sociological or anthropological side uh, came up uh, later in life, I have to admit. So I was more in the technology and uh, in the science of it. Um, and after a, a half a year in Dijon in France, uh, which where I was for a, for a project about mustards, which I'll tell you about later. I um, I started to pick up more and more the the, the sides the cultural sides of food and wanted to know more about it. And I, shortly after, I did this this study in gastronomy at the Cordon Bleu in in Paris, and uh, I started writing my first book, which you also mentioned. And slowly, I moved into into gastronomy, into um, writing and studying about uh, about food and culture. Uh, and your book, uh, Demet, is published as part of uh, Reaction Books Edible series. And uh, for those listeners who uh, don't know about Edible series, it's a series that focuses on the global history and culture of one type of food or beverage in each of its book. And your book, Demet, is on mustard. So why mustard? <laughs> 
Good question. I think a lot of people ask me that. And of course, the answer could be, why not? Um, my uh, first book was called Foot on Foot, as you also said. Um, and that was uh, my own exploration of uh, food and writing. And I've written about uh, different geographies, different historical periods, and how people ate, what they brought with them when they were on foot and going into expeditions and explorations of the world. It allowed me to, to look at the world with, with the lens of this. This, this activity of eating. And for a second book, I, I really wanted to write for the reaction um, uh, series because it had a different focus. It was very much, um, I think, looking for the same things, stories of people moving with food or exchanging food, but at a very specific, uh, a very narrow angle. And uh, I wanted to write for them very badly. So I have uh, <laughs> written to the uh, series editor, Andrew Smith, and made some proposals. Uh, some of them were like things like yogurt or grappa and, and mustard was among the ideas because you know they have many of the, the books already published and I know they're still looking for authors. If anybody out there wants to write one of these books, uh, you should try. <laughs> And, uh, and mustard was one that, that stuck because it was a globally relevant, it was uh, specific, it was culturally very rich. Uh, so there were so many stories about it that they wanted to go on with, uh, go ahead with mustard. I bet. And uh, could you give us a kind of a light version of uh, the historical background of mustard as you discuss in your book? I mean, uh, where does it come from and how did its history evolve until today? Um, there is no um, lineage of mustard. We cannot say like, oh, it started here and then it went around the world because it starts at different places. Uh, so th in this sense, it's nice because it has stories of um, belonging, but stories of immigration and cultural exchange. Uh, so we can find in a very short, very simplified version, black seeds in China, uh, brown seeds in uh, India, and uh, yellow, or sometimes it's called white, mustard seeds in Mediterranean. So this is how they start. But then maybe there were some uh, black seeds also brought by the Romans to, to uh, Europe before, uh, before we have any records of it. So those are things that we may not know exactly. But then it's the story of the yellow mustard seeds that uh, takes us to different continents, because it's uh, the Romans take it to first Gaul, today's France. Then they take it to Germany. They take it to England. So all these um, this famous mustards that we eat today are based on this this historical uh, path. And from Spain, then uh, the seeds go to America, to California, and they're uh, they're planted there. And we have the American mustard. So it is. Um, it, it starts in different geographies and different styles or different. Uh, um, as a different plant, let's say. Um, but this is the path, mostly the Roman path uh, and the, the path of uh, discovery of America. And, and how many mustards, I mean, this is a very kind of general question, how many mustards do we have? Because in chapter two of your book, you discuss different types of mustard <laughs> and the history associated with each of these. You uh, discuss, for example, French mustard, English mustard, uh, German mustard, Italian mustard, uh, and also yeah. mustard in the East. Uh, so what are, the, yeah. what are some of the main elements that differentiate these from each other? You mentioned their history or, or their geography. Uh, is it also the land or is it, uh, I mean, is their taste different or is it like a combination of all these factors? 
Yeah, it's 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 true. I mean, you, your question is uh, it's right on. I think it's a combination of all those things, and I have. Uh, try to limit uh, these options because otherwise it would be an encyclopedic work. And I focused on the biggest uh, master types that we all know, consume and love. Um, there are hundreds of types. And if you go to the, the Mustard Museum in Wisconsin, and you can virtually go there, um, as we cannot easily travel these days. Yes. Barry Levinson is um, the, the, the person behind this, uh, this building, this idea, this... Uh, this fantastic museum and you can see hundreds of examples from around the world i've also sent him uh, some mustards from turkey because i'm from uh, istanbul turkey so i've uh, even extended his uh, collection just uh, slightly bit um <laughs> the the way they are different from each other as i said before first depends on the type of seed right so they could start from brown or or, or black and that has a very defining um character in color in pungency in uh, in taste maybe in taste less so but you know when we talk about mustard we think of pungency that's the biggest effect that it brings to to the sauce um so that's one thing and the second thing is how cultures brought this this the, made what they made of this natural thing and how they have made it either sweet or more um, more bitter or more uh, you know flavorful by adding other spices and uh, and there are many recipes that confirm this approach that was very different from different cultures different countries mm. and uh, before i move on to my next question i i, I want to kind of ask a follow-up question on that have you been yourself to mustard museum or have you been there just virtually Yes, I've been there virtually. We had also a call uh, with Barry on uh, when I was writing my my book, um, because for me it was like a library. It was a, an institution I had to understand and learn from, and they have also um, a lot of memorabilia. You know, the, the mustard cans uh, or jars and, and brochures, advertisement, a lot of uh, information there. Yeah, I've not been. It would be interesting to go. In fact. Yes, it sounds fascinating. And um, with uh, any food or any food item, Demet, uh, comes a system of um, sort of symbolic meanings. And these symbolic meanings are, you know, communi communicated and uh, in fact lived in a range of different ways. Our everyday language, for example, is rich in uh, symbols of food and uh, you know, eating. And, and, and we see quite a lot of uh, use of, you know, food symbolism in literature also uh, and elsewhere. Uh, is that the case about mustard too? Yeah, uh, definitely. And that's why I think uh, it's such a rich ingredient to, to talk about and to write about. And in, in a lot of languages, uh, well, mostly in English, as I also I wrote the book in English, but also in, in German, in, uh, in Dutch, in French, there are references to mustard. Mustard is a, is a symbol of uh, you know, we can imagine it's pungent. It's uh, it's something that burns our nose. So it is it is tough. It is persistent. It's a symbol of um, of strength of. Uh, um, also small beginnings, things that uh, explode, you know, that start small, but uh, very strong. Uh, and these things uh, kind of go into, into the language. Um, but it's also, surprisingly, it's in literature. And in Shakespeare's plays, there is reference to mustard. Um, it, it's, it's plenty. And I think uh, it will be 
we would do justice reading this whole uh, uh, pieces of work to understand uh, the, how they fit in the time that they were created. Um, but I, I found, I, I gave little anecdotes from, from some literature and, uh, and also the Bible in the book, because it's mentioned in biblical text, how mustard is a wow. symbol of faith or symbol of uh, uh, religion, symbol of uh, belief. Uh, and in Quran, we see similar uh, references because it, I think the size is, uh, is the biggest uh, size versus effect, the impact. Like it's so small and looks so harmless. But once it's uh, crushed and the flavors are released, the pungency is released, it's so strong. And that, that is very uh, metaphorical. That, that was picked up by uh, religious or, or secular literature. And that, that was one of my favorite um, uh, part, part of your book, Demet, when you discuss all this. It's, it's really fascinating. Um, and uh, mustard has been in existing for centuries, and you discuss this in length in, uh, in your book. Um, and uh, like any other food with that kind of uh, history, uh, I assume, and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that, the, that, there, that there is some you know, mythical or medicinal use uh, for, you know, any kind of uh, food with that kind of history, mustard included, especially in ancient and Middle Ages in different parts of the world. Uh, am I correct or am I way off? <laughs> yes, you're very correct that um, when we go so far back, we see food starting off as a, as a medicine before. And as people believed, you know, you are what you eat and uh, you heal yourself with uh, what you eat that becomes part of you. That was a very um, straightforward correlation that uh, they could try to heal themselves with, uh, with something like mustard because it warms you up, it warms your blood, it gives you um, this warming effect. In fact, um, well, maybe I need to mention briefly how in in the Greek uh, times, Hippocrates developed this dietetic rules that uh, later on was developed by Galen, and it was also incorporated uh, by Ibn Sina in the East into their uh, studies that said, you know, foods can uh, uh, increase or decrease your humors. So they can give you uh, a better health, um, or uh, they could also put you off balance. And mustard is mentioned by all these texts in, in different parts of the world as something that was um, that was warm and uh, dry, and therefore it could compensate cold and uh, humid things. Um, so that's very interesting because then when you had a cold or you had uh, bronchitis, you could do mustard plasters. And we still have mustard plasters, by the way, in, in France, you can buy them. Uh, but you could also uh, crush them with some other seeds and, and eat them. Um, so the, the line between food and medicine in the Middle Ages is, is not very clear. So what you could eat, you could also put on your body and it could be the same effect. Um, and later on, when after Renaissance, more or less, um, medicine, you know, the scientific medicine starts uh, denying these effects and we, we lose touch with uh, any uh, possible health benefits of uh, scrubbing with mustard or putting mustard on ourselves. <laughs> so it's not uh, very much practice, but you can still find the the, the mustard plasters. I, I, I've bought some and tried. Uh, it is a warming ingredient. So that's why um, it was uh, believed to have some sort of an effect. But sometimes in these medical texts or, well, ancient medical texts, I have to say, you see that... Uh, 
it's not so straightforward. For example, they recommend it for uh, melancholy or uh, to help some other illnesses that are not correct, directly related to the warming effect of mustard. So maybe they just wanted to try everything for, for different uh, uh, sicknesses or <laughs> situations, conditions. Yes. Yes, I, I remember my grandmother actually had mustard in her uh, medicine cabinet. Yeah. Uh, I don't exactly remember what she, she was using it for, but uh, I remember she had it. Uh, so it's still in use uh, in Iran today for you know medicinal purposes. Mm -hmm. I don't know about the rest of the world. And um, at, at the end of the book, you also include some recipes with mustard, Demet. Uh, where mm -hmm. do these recipes come from? I mean, why did you choose those uh, recipes in particular is there a story behind them or is that i mean what what what's what's the story yeah. there i mean uh, traditionally these series uh, under the, the this edible series there are recipes in each book and um i wanted them to be historically relevant and because this is not a cookbook as you imagine it's not necessarily that people say i want to cook something with mustard let me pick up this book because it's mostly about history about the culture of mustard yes. but um you can cook for my recipes i've uh, <laughs> tried some of them so what i wanted to uh, do was to show the range uh, because it's a testimony to the range, to the diversity, to the wealth, uh, you know, cultural wealth of mustard. So I have included the oldest recipes possible to the newest. And I've put some, um, uh, some things you can cook, but some things you cannot cook because it's so cryptic the way they're written. Some Eastern texts is like that, like from Cairo or uh, from Byzantine, um, it, because there are no quantities, it's not clear, some of the spices you cannot find, but it, it teaches us something about the, the period, the, the, the place of that time. And uh, uh, some other recipes are maybe using mustard as an ingredient to uh, turn it into a dish like uh, with chicken or uh, or making a soup mustard soup that's an easy one so if you want to if you're a beginner in mustard uh, cuisine you can start with um, a mustard soup for example from my book um yeah and i also wanted to show the diversity of mustard not only as a seed but as a leaf as an oil uh, and you can use it in not only as a sauce. So I've included uh, basically recipes from Roman times, medieval times, Renaissance, um, German recipes uh, uh, from all around the world. So that ended up being a nice section, in fact, uh, and not mm. just an afterthought like an appendix, but it yes. supports uh, all the rest of the book that in language, in the kitchen, in, uh, in medicine, in in the collective culture of a country, you see how they looked at mustard because then they have recipes, they have medicine, they have uh, maybe paintings uh, about this topic. So it kind of supports a, a cultural network uh, and you find examples or traces in, in different different areas. It was another good excuse to look at mustard from, a, <laughs> from the real practical culinary yes. angle. <laughs> it is indeed a fantastic collection of recipes, Demet. Um, there's obviously a lot more uh, in the book and I encourage listeners to uh, pick up a copy. But before we uh, wrap up the interview, I'd like to uh, ask uh, whether you're working on something right now or are you thinking about doing a project or a research on a particular topic, perhaps on um, another food item for the edible series uh, in the near future? So nothing for the edible series, although I, I think it's a, it's a very nice uh, project. It allows you to um, focus on one little ingredient, but with that very specific thing, you open the whole world and you look at geography, history, 
science. And I think those uh, those dimensions make the past come alive and you can really uh, learn about, uh, about the world in a very new way. Uh, so I really enjoyed this project. But um, what um, this book did to me, I think it allowed me to see the, the significance of that period in France that I had, um, that kind of caused my career to change. And um, I have not started writing a book right after, but I have um, developed a course for the Cordon Bleu Culinary School online about food and art. Because while researching to, for this book, I've also looked at artworks, paintings, but not only. And uh, I've seen that it was also another angle, like we're talking about recipes or medicine or science. Art was another dimension uh, in which we could see traces of food, in which we could see what people thought about food and about themselves, about the life Um through food. And so it, it led to a, a different chapter in my, my career. So maybe a book about uh, food and arts could be in my future. <laughs> yes, please, please do that. That's really exciting. And um, I can't wait, wait to, you know, read it if and when it comes out, damn it. Um, uh, do, do you have any further comments, anything you want to add about the book or about anything in general? Um, no, I think everyone should read this book. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun little book. I, I think um, it's, um, it's a testimony to diversity of uh, uh, food culture, because smaller than this, I don't think you can go. I'm not sure. I've not checked, but I, I, I can bet that this is the smallest ingredient in the series <laughs> because uh, you can write about anything, right? And have the same view and, you know, uh, yourself. And this makes us passionate about food because it's never just about food. And that's what I love about mustard because it's never just about the little seed, but what it symbolizes and what it means to people, what, uh, what it allowed them to do and achieve. So, um, yeah, go ahead and read it. But if it's not this book, then read another one in this series. I think they're very much life-enhancing, enriching uh, little condiments to our life. Yes, indeed. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Demet, for coming on the show and speaking with me today and sharing your insight and your work with our listeners. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Amir. Thank you so much for having me.